From the UTRGV School of Medicine, this is the Wellness Podcast. In this episode, we get a chance to sit down and talk to Amanda Arriola. She is one of our graduates from the inaugural class of 2020. She has a candid conversation with us about not matching into her preferred specialty and the journey that she took into getting to dermatology. And with that, I give you our next episode. So welcome students to another edition of our podcast. Our guest is someone that is extremely special. She is part of the inaugural class of 2020. Her name is Amanda Arriola, and she is fantastic. She's going to talk to us a little bit about her journey. And as usual, welcome, Valerie, for joining me. Thank you so much for joining me. Yes. Hello, everyone. And Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. All right, Amanda. Hello. It's so nice to speak with you again. Um, tell me, tell us a little bit about um, where you are in your current life. What is going on? What have you been up to these past two years? Oh, gosh. Uh, okay. So um, we had the distinct privilege of graduating as part of the inaugural class in 2020. Uh, and in May, it was also um, the start of our now like 24 month long pandemic. Um, So I got to be an intern at uh, John Peter Smith Hospital in Fort Worth, Texas, which is a fantastic program. They have a family medicine program and an emergency medicine program. I did a one year transitional medicine program there in Fort Worth. I finished up in July of 2021. and I did not match my first year. And so I ended up reapplying for the 2021 cycle and I matched to dermatology. Yay. Uh, Yay you. And so I will not start my dermatology residency in Ann Arbor, Michigan until July. And so I essentially had a gap year. A lot of people in my position that are still trying to match to dermatology uh, would have done a research year, but because I had already matched, I took time uh, for myself after being a an intern in a pandemic, which is something um, for myself. And I live in Houston uh, with my husband and our three dogs, and I've just been living my best life. Um, and recovering from it all so that I'm ready uh, for my dermatology residency. Yes, thank you. And kudos and congratulations to you for where you are at this point in time in your life. One of the main reasons why we invited you to today's podcast is because as you know, because you've been there before, is that there's this idea that we have to follow this traditional route to get to our certain goal, right? And in medical school, I think that for students, it's you go through year one, through year four, you match, you go into your residency program, and you live happily ever after. And sometimes it doesn't necessarily go that way. So it's important to have you on here because as a person that has experienced the non-traditional route, I'd like for you to kind of walk our current students or anybody that's listening, right, that would help um, get them to this point of realization that non-traditional is okay as well. So let's kind of take it back a few years for you. Tell us what your experience was with step one 
and how that impacted residency interviews and or selections. Oh, God. Okay, so step one, nightmares. I remember <laughs> even when I was applying for medical school and I was just interviewing just to get into medical school, everyone in our group would always be like, and how do you prepare students for step one? And like, how do your students do on step one? And, uh, you know, embarrassing enough to admit this, like, I was like, what is step one? I'm just trying to get into medical school. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's like this mythical test and everyone just says horrible things. And I remember just being so nervous um, about the whole thing. And basically, if you don't get a, above a 250, people are just going to like, not let you have a job after you graduate is essentially what we're told. Um, I think even people, I won't name names, but people um, at our medical school in when we first started, um, a lot of those people aren't there anymore, but um, they told you like, if you don't match, like your life is over, you don't want to not match. It's, it's going to be the worst day of your life. Um, and as someone who who didn't match uh, to what I wanted my first year, I agree that it's not a great time. I don't recommend it um, if you can avoid it, but it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of your life. And it was a really interesting experience for me because after you don't match, you get connected with a bunch of other people who didn't match. Um, and you're part of a weird group that, you know, no one really wants to be a part of, but I've met so many amazing people who didn't match. Um, and we all found our way eventually. And so there's hope for everyone. Yeah. So I think that that's like, like really, I got, I mean, I, and I, I think you and I probably talked about step one at one point or another. And I told you that I thought it was like my own personal nightmare from hell. And I still say that maybe I need to change what it is that I say, but I hated that test. And in fact, if you made me sit down and take it again, I might hide under furniture and avoid it altogether. It, it was, it was awful, but who's telling you this like magical score that you have to hit? I mean, I, there's people that just told you that you had to get this one number. That's ugh, maybe that's one of the good things that we're now pass fail, right? Yeah, for sure. I think, I think that's really important um, that they went in that direction. Um, again, I won't name names, but there was somebody at the program uh, when we started in medical school back in the day, I wanted to do general surgery and general surgery is, is competitive. Um, the people who go into general surgery, um, you know, they're surgeons, they're a little bit crazy. Um, that's part of the gig, but you know, I'm a little bit crazy. So it was all good. Like it made sense. So <laughs> I was ready um, to, to kind of go down that path and because of a competitive field, and now they're, I guess they're all very competitive. There's, there's great schools, anything can be competitive. And so um, I had a goal in mind. They had set, I don't remember what it was. I think it was like a 245. They're like, you have to get a 245 or above um, to be really competitive. And so I um, was aiming for that. Um, and on my practice test, I, not that I ever exceeded that. I, even on like really, really good days, I don't think I ever got close. I think um, on a practice one, I like maybe got a 240. Um, but I feel like that was cheating because it was like in my house and um, 
It took me hours and hours and hours longer than it normally would have. Um, and so that, that was just like the goal set for me. They basically told me if that wasn't it, like you can just kiss it all goodbye and you're gonna, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking that I'd be like an MD at a gas station or something. And so, um, I, I took step one. I didn't get even remotely close to that. I got a 225, uh, which my year, the national average was a 230. So it was five points um, below the average. I was still within a standard deviation. Um, so I was normal, just like 80% of every other medical student all over the country. Um, but for me, that was a total failure. Um, and then the same person who had come up with my goal score basically saw me um, in the hallway, not even in her office, and was like, wow, Amanda, I'm I'm so sorry. Now you like basically can't do surgery. Um, and I was devastated um, at the time. And that's when I, I switched advisors. And I actually made you, Dr. Escalona, my advisor uh, that week because I was just so sad. And I was like, well, I have to go look for another career. Um <laughs> And so, um, yeah, it, it was devastating. And I feel like it, it tainted the rest of my medical school experience because that's how you're viewed. Um, and then when I did end up going to dermatology uh, rotations, like audition rotations in my fourth year, um, that was one of the first questions they asked me. They're like, what did you get in your step one? And I would say not a 250, uh, kind of sarcastically sometimes. And some people were okay with that. Um, some programs treated me very differently. Um, they, they were like, oh, we're, we're not willing to work with you because you will, we will not see your application due to our cutoff. And so they were very firm about that. And I didn't apply to those programs. But obviously, some people were willing to work with me because I got uh, several interviews last year. Um, and they were all, um, happy to have interviewed me. And, um, I know that I was ranked by at least two programs. Um, and obviously I ended up matching to my first choice, which was amazing. Um, but I never would have thought any of that was possible had I, um, I guess, listened to a lot of the rumors that go around. Well, thank God that you didn't. And I mean, I think you and I had spoken. I told you about one of my really good friends from med school. Her name is Julie Shrasik, who's a amazing freaking dermatologist. And I took her five times. She wanted to be a dermatologist and she didn't want to do anything else. Just no. It might have taken her a little bit longer, but she still got to where she's going. And she has this amazing practice and is so happy doing what it is that she's doing. So I'm really glad that you stuck with it. And then I wanted to ask you another question. So you technically, I mean, you didn't match into what you wanted straight off, but you did match to JPS, which by the way, my bestest friend in the whole wide world graduated from there as a family medicine doctor. Um, I want to know what you learned, like what, so your path took you there to Fort Worth, right? And now you're an intern in the freaking COVID pandemic. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, that was, I, I mean, I, I think I enjoyed it. Um, I did enjoy it. Um, I, I don't have anything to compare it to because I've never been an intern in a non-pandemic. Um, but JPS is a fantastic program. 
I was so happy while I was there. Um, and I was like, guys, if I don't match the dermatology, I'm just going to stay here. And they were like, okay. Um, <laughs> um, actually Dr. Dr. Fish, uh, who's now our student Dean of something. Uh, he was a different Dean of something when I was there, his son is a nurse at JPS. And I remember when I was, you know, doing the scramble, I didn't match. And I, he was the first person I talked to. He called me as soon as I didn't match. And he was like, okay, um, we're going to apply to whatever program you want. Which direction do you want to go? Do you want to try to scramble into pediatrics, family medicine? Do you want to stick with Derm? Do you want to be a surgeon? Like, what do you got? These are all the open spots across the country. And I was like, oh, wow, there's open ENT spots. There's open all kinds of stuff, um, which I think at the time was too many options because I was like crying that I didn't match. But I was just like, okay, I'm just going to apply to things. I had to make um, kind of quick, hard, fast decisions. Um, I decided I wanted to stick with dermatology. So I looked at uh, one-year programs because you have to do an intern year. Whether you match your first time on dermatology or your sixth time, you still need at least one year prior to starting derm. So we, we applied um, to all the programs that had one year spots. Um, and then as soon as you submit it, you just start getting phone calls. You get phone calls from the program and they do like a very quick interview. Like, Hey, what happened? Why didn't you match? Um, have you ever been arrested? Like what kept you from <laughs> matching? Um, and I was like, no, I, I swear I've never been arrested. Like I just didn't get a good step one score. And they're like, Oh, that's okay. Um, so it was, it was fun interesting. Um, and so Dr. Nelms at Fort Worth, um, JPS, he interviewed me. And, um, again with like, is there anything on your record that, that kept you from matching? And I said, no, I, I got in trouble once in kindergarten. And that was like the last time because my parents were really strict. That's what I said. And he was like, you know what? I like that. And, I, and that's how I got in just because I, <laughs> I told a weird story. Um, and then I was at JPS. And then when I got to JPS, I found out it was an incredible program that I guess had I known beforehand, maybe I wouldn't even thought have to applied because I'm like, oh, they're not going to take me. I've got a 225. Um, but it's, it's an amazing program. Like I said, for family medicine, it's one of, it's the, it's the top family medicine program in the country. And they they just crank out amazing physicians and um, their transition year program is the same way. They have ophthalmologists. Um, my classmates were three ophthalmologists that went to UT Southwestern that matched at UT Southwestern, uh, radiologists, uh, anesthesiologists, like all the high roller hard to get into residencies. We were all in there. Um, and then two other girls that end up going to Derm. And he was just happy to have me because I seemed uh, like a down to earth person. I hadn't gotten in trouble since kindergarten. And that was his selling point. He was like, cool, I'll take you. Um, and I got in. And that sounds amazing. People don't know that one of the, and I know that because I told you my best friend trained at JPS. He did family medicine and then from family medicine, he did sports medicine and from sports medicine, he did pain. 
So he's the one, I don't know if I told you about him, but he wanted to do anesthesia and he's like, I'm going to freaking do anesthesia. And so like all the anesthesia programs like shot him the finger. They did not want to, they did not want him. And he's like, I'm going to get to anesthesia anyways. And pain, you sit for the anesthesia boards for pain. So he still got where he was going. But the cool thing about the hospital where you were, those family medicine residents are it. You're not fighting other cardiology fellows or internal medicine fellows or even pediatricians they are literally it and they run that entire place they run the whole hospital yeah they do and that makes you a crazy strong doctor that's why everybody that they graduates amazing i i love that place i didn't go there obviously but my best friend did and i can't say enough good things they're amazing and the i guess the I'm very like trial by fire. And so that's how it was. They're like, okay, here you go. Here's your pager. Uh, and the fun thing about being a transitional year for me is the, the family medicine kids kid. I mean, my colleagues, they're not children. Um, my family medicine colleagues, they had to go to didactics and they had their continuity clinics in the afternoon. So if you were a transitional year, you got to hold all the pagers. So everyone would be like, Hey, uh, you're, you're not family medicine, right? You're transitional year. And I was like, yeah. And so they would just hand me a pager and I was like, Oh, okay, great. More work. Cool. Fun. Um, (laughs) but it was great because then I had to field all the calls. I got calls for diabetes and, uh, wound care and everything, whatever service we were on, whether it was surgery, medicine, peds, like I got the call and I had to figure it out pretty quickly because there was like a person or a nurse on the other end of the line. Um, so it was great. Uh, I, I loved that. Um, and I love that they trusted me. And I love that we had a we have a shared workroom there at JPS. All the residents are, are in a big room like typing notes. And so there's always an upper level somewhere within earshot. So very often, I don't know, I will censor myself because we're on a podcast, but I'd be like, oh, shit, out loud. <laughs> and and then a second or third year would turn around and be like, what, what do you need? And I'd be like, well, I have this patient and, you know, they just have a completely occluded carotid scan. Like, should I tell somebody? And they're like, yeah, you should call the vascular attending. Here's his number. And you should call. And, and they were just in the bubble with me, but I got to do it myself. Um, and so it was really fun. I had, a, I had a great time and I learned more than I ever could in because of my JPS training, that's why I feel comfortable this year working at urgent cares or ERs because I've just seen so much. Sorry, I just that was a lot. I'm so excited about JPS, obviously. I just no, that's exciting to hear. <laughs> it's so exciting to hear because as I hear you talk about um, this experience that you had, right? And I think about Amanda, what? Four years ago when you got your step score. Is that about right? Yeah. Four years ago. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Four years ago, um, <laughs> when you got your step score, how different is it for you now? Like, did you ever think that Amanda four years ago would have the experiences that you have had up until this point? And then also where you are gonna continue to go in your life as a physician? Oh no, absolutely not. Had you, had you told me, like handed me my score. I remember I, you know, I'm a fitness. I, well, 
I used to be fit. I don't know about anymore, but I was wearing a Fitbit in, I remember where I was. I was in the UTRG building in the pathology lab and I had a Fitbit on and uh, somebody was giving a lecture, but obviously I got an email that said step score. So I was no longer paying attention to the lecture. And, you know, we were in a class full of people and I have no patience. And I was like, I have to look at it. And so I looked at it. I got a 225 and I was like, okay, I passed. That's cool. Um, but that is not the number I was supposed to get that, you know, was going to like open the doors to my life or whatever. And I, looked down at my Fitbit and I was like at 108, my heart rate was just, and I was like, Oh my God, I might explode. Um, and then my, my good friend who was, who was sitting right next to me at the same time, got the same email and she did not get the score that she wanted either. And she just started crying. And I was like, Oh man, I guess we'll drop out together and open a bakery. Like, I don't know (laughs) what we do now. Um, (laughs) so that was, it was devastating for us, but now looking back, I've had people, well, let me backtrack. So when I didn't match all these people, like came out of the woodwork and we're like, Hey, we never matched either. We don't advertise it. Cause nobody cares. Um, cause once you're a doctor, it doesn't mean anything, but they, they just shared their stories with me again. I was at JPS, um, 2 AM on my surgical rotation. I was sitting next to this girl. Um, she was a PGY three surgical resident. Um, and she was a total badass. And, uh, she, I had mentioned like, yeah, I have to reapply cause I didn't match. And she was like, Oh, that happened to me. I applied to OBGYN. I didn't match. I was devastated. Um, and then I had to do a surgical intern year and it turns out I'm actually a surgeon and now she's a PGY three well, was a PGY three back at Fort Worth and she's living her surgical dream. Um, and my interviews for dermatology, you would be shocked how many program directors were like, yeah, I didn't match my first year and I'm the program director. So I'm absolutely not going to discriminate against someone who didn't match their first year. Um, there's a program director, I guess in the state of Oklahoma who, they had to apply five times before they got into Durham, their internal uh, medicine board certified. There's people in Kansas that did a complete pediatric residency, complete family medicine residency before they got into Durham. And so there are people who go their whole life and then, and then end up changing their mind or people who want it and they know they just have to take an alternate route. But if you really want something like you could totally get there. And nobody tells you that in medical school. Um, so yes. please post this podcast on all the kids' foreheads. Just like shove it in their faces. <laughs> this is exactly why we wanted to do it. Because there is this stigma behind failing or not getting a certain score that people tell you you need to get, right? And I think for you, Amanda, as I reflect back in um, earlier conversations that you and I had, it was really feeling devastated that you really believe that these people that were already physicians, right, that were um, hopefully supposed to have your best interest at heart, were telling you otherwise, telling you that this was the end for you. Um, and, And that is not true. And you are living proof that you can get to meet or attain a certain goal. It's just 
it just may not happen in the way that other people believe it needs to happen for you. So what would you say to a student that is experiencing something that, you know, something like that what you went through four years ago and is trying to navigate step and is trying to navigate, you know, what their journey looks like? What would you say to them right now? Oh, oh, so many things. I guess I would hug them first. Um, yeah. Be like, it's just breathe. It's going to be okay. Um, it is, it's just, it's just a number. And I don't, I don't like that saying, but it is, it's, it's a test like any other test and you made it all this way in one test. Um, you can't let that stop you from doing whatever it is that you want. Um, and there, there is a way if you're willing to do the work or to, you know, call the, whoever you need to call to get in front of somebody or do a, an extra internship or an extra rotation or whatever, you could totally do it. Um, it's not the end of the world. And we get into this weird, like echo chamber in medical school, all your friends are studying and everyone um, is exaggerating about their practice scores. And I did 500 U world questions last night. And I'm like, what, why, what would you, how did you do that? I, I don't think I can read that fast. Um, and it, you just feel inadequate the entire time. Every moment that you're not studying something, you can't even enjoy, you know, your breakfast. You're like, Oh my God, I'm not looking at it's step one right now. I'm going to explode. And that's, that's not how real life works. Um, and all the wonderful physicians that I've met, um, who either matched or didn't match their first time, like nobody knows, none of that matters. Um, you can still do whatever you want. And like I said, there are successful in, in all fields, but especially dermatology, there's people running, um, some of the most incredible practices across Texas, and they didn't match their first year. Um, the example I'm thinking of, she wanted to do geriatric medicine. And then the last year of her fourth year changed her mind, didn't match, had to like do a research year. Um, a lot of them do research years. Um, some of them do other residencies and they, they eventually find their way. So you can do it. Um, just breathe. I yeah. guess. I yeah. forgot to breathe. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, I think I think that definitely happens, right? You forget to be in the moment because of all these expectations that are put on you. Um, so tell everybody, again, where you are, where you're going, you know, you got accepted into a residency program. Um, what does that look like for you moving forward? Uh, that's funny. So I when I, when I applied the second time, I got a couple different, I got two or three interviews in Michigan and I'm a Hispanic female from Texas. And I kept making the joke. I was like, what's with Michigan? Like, they must be confused about who I am. Like, like, why do I uh, have, have these interviews like so North? What is even up there? I don't even know. I've never been to that part of the country. Uh, I'm bad at geography. And so uh, I, it was really confusing and it wasn't, it was my friend actually, who was like, you gotta, 
interview at the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor. And I was like, yeah, I, I only got five interviews that year. And um, one of them was that. And, and he was like, do you, do you realize what that means? And I was like, no, I have no idea why you're talking like that and why you're so excited. And he, he was like, you know, it's a really good school. It's a really good program. Like they're probably top 10 in the country. And I was like, no way. They definitely like, they messed up. It's not, they're not supposed to be interviewing me. And he was like, yeah. So we Googled them together. We were here in Houston eating at dinner somewhere. And the dermatology program at Michigan is the number five program in the country. And I was like, wow, they, they must have needed like to fill a spot or something. I was making a lot of self-deprecating jokes. And he was like, well, you should really prepare for that interview. Obviously I was preparing for all of them, but he was like, that's amazing that you're even going to be there. And I was like, yeah, cool. Sure. Like, and, and it was just, for me, it was a practice interview. Cause I was like, I'm not going to get in there. I'm just, you know, hanging out. It's going to be fun. I'm going to get to practice my interview skills. And so I did the interview and it was again, the pandemic. So we were in a zoom uh, waiting room, waiting to do our individual interviews. And the, the people in those, in the room with me, they were high rollers. Again, there were two, two young ladies from Harvard, one uh, gentleman from Michigan. There were people from like Johns Hopkins, like, you know, the, the bougie schools. Um, and, and then I introduced myself and I was like, hi, I'm Amanda. It's UTRGV. It's like new school. No one, no one knows our name, but you know, thanks for having me. Um, and then I ended up getting in and now their program, because it's so wonderful and well-renowned, I can write my ticket. I could probably go anywhere I want, uh, and teach, which is what I want to do. I can go. I could go to Boston uh, and Harvard if I wanted to, because the people that come out of that program, that's where they go to teach. Um, and just to have that network and that opportunity blows my mind. I still haven't fully accepted it. Uh, there is a small part of me that's like, hmm, I hope that when I get there, they're like, oh, yeah, you're the right person because um, it's been a long time coming. Um, but it is it's it's surreal. Um, and I'm so grateful and I'm so happy. And, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm just so excited. I don't have the words. No, so are we. I mean, especially <laughs> because we watched you on your journey. I, I really hope that you reflect on your path and know that your, your time, the way that your path deviated gave you like this extra level of badassness because, the things that you learned at JBS, even though you might not think you need them later, oh, you're going to need them later. And it was a good experience to go through. But it makes me sad that people within our institution made you feel bad about your brilliant score. And you and I were a lot alike. I was like, what the heck is USMLE? Again, I only just wanted to get in. And that was the end of it. And then, of course, you're, you're a little bit more aspirational than I was. I just freaking wanted to pass. So the minute I saw that I passed, I was like doing little jumping jacks. But of course, I'm like way the heck older than you. And the, and the landscape's a lot different now than it was when when I graduated. But 
you are a resilient human being. And I, I'm so, we're so proud of you. I can't wait to see the things that you get to do truly because you're going to do great things, Amanda. Great things. Thank you. Thank you. That is very sweet. Um, it, it was very humbling just to, so when I ugly cried, when I eventually got in, I, um, I was thinking weeks later and just a little tidbit about me. I mean, a lot of our UTRGV medical students who have come uh, from Hispanic first or second generation families. My grandmother uh, was born in Mexico. She only went to the third grade. She never learned to drive a car. She was a homemaker her entire life. Um, And my parents were then born in the U.S., They went to high school. They're very hardworking people, but they, again, didn't have any of the opportunities that I had. And now I'm their bougie little granddaughter going to the University of uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan. And it's it's so amazing and humbling at the same time. It's a very complicated feeling um, to know who came before you. and where you are now, and I will try not to ugly cry on a podcast because you probably won't be able to understand what I'm saying. Um, but that is something that I I take with me and I remember. And I know when I start on my first day, when I get there, I, I'm going to tear up thinking of, you know, my grandmother and my mother and in all that came before us. Yep. Soak it all in. I mean, soak it all in, right? Because these are the people that have supported you in one way or another, but you are also a person that has done the hard work. I mean, you have really, I think when Dr. Escolina talks about resiliency, it's really about being able to move away from all of those negative um, conversations that were had with you early on in a time in which you maybe didn't even know any better, right? Because it could have been very easily said that, okay, she knows better than I do when she says my life is over, my life is over as a physician. But you didn't go in that direction. So I am thankful to have Dr. Escalona, people like Dr. E, be a part of students' um, lives when it comes to navigating and directing. Because I have definitely heard a lot of students talk about how it can be difficult to listen to people that, that know, right? I'm using air quotes here that know what's best for students and not all of them know. So yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for you, Amanda. Oh, thank you. I'm very excited. Well, that's, thank you so much for talking to us. I know that it wasn't necessarily like the easiest thing in the world to open up, but again, like this won't become easy conversation unless, and your mission, at least, at least I think part of your mission was to destigmatize this. So thank you for making good on your mission, because if we talk about it and everybody's path always looks different, which is something that we always say, and you're living it and you're going to do great things. And thank you so much for just taking the time to talk to us. It really, it means the world to us. And I'm, I'm super glad I got to see you again. I hope I get to see you again. I don't know when you'll ever come back to the Valley because I know you're not from here. You're like fancy. You're from Houston, right? No, I'm from El Paso. We oh, are fancy right. though. You are fancy. I, I personally feel that we have better food in El Paso, but that's a debate. You're for so another funny. Time, perhaps. It's um, just different. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. It's from a different part of Mexico. Exactly. Um, 
it's okay. But no, uh, thank you very much. We we really loved having you. And do you think you see yourself going back to El Paso or you're like, who knows? I might dig the snow and who knows? No, I still I still want to. So fun fact, uh El Paso, Texas and the Valley, neither of those medical schools have dermatology programs. And I think I'd make a great program director. And so after doing at least five years at another facility, you can petition the the powers that be to start a dermatology program. So I have to go run one so that I actually know what I'm doing. Um, And then eventually I can come back and start one on the border because um, people on the border have skin and we have a lot of sun. And so obviously I'm not, you know, dermatology is a, is a necessary field. It's not all like Botox and acne, like people think. Um, and so I, I still want to go. And I actually, I'll have to tell you, I will go visit um, the Valley because a lot of my friends are still there. Um, they matched there because they're from there. And so they're still out there and, and I go time to time to visit them. Um, but also I have continued to tell everybody my story, like you said, to, to destigmatize it and just to create a network of people, um, to let them know they're not alone. And, um, I think my husband, he's, uh, one of my biggest advocates and fans, and he's actually a med peds resident here in Houston at, at Baylor and Texas children. And so he'll have, uh, people going through their intern year, just the one year programs, and he's very friendly, obviously, and he, he talks to people and he's met a couple people that were like, oh, I was trying to get into Durham, but I didn't match. And he was like, oh, here's my wife's phone number. Call her. And, you know, I'm not a resident right now, so I have plenty of free time. And they've called me and I've had a lot of conversations. Um, I have people like come and cry on my sofa and and other things or just text me and be like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, can you just look at my application? Can you look at my personal statement? And I think the first thing I say to everybody is, you know what? Sometimes there's just not enough spots. It has nothing to do with you. It's a it's a broken system, really. Um, and so you can be a fantastic applicant. And you just fall through the cracks because of the the ranking system or or whatever it is. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. And if anybody listening to this or either of you two have anybody that that doesn't match or they're I mean a hundred percent of people are afraid they're not gonna match but um, so I've had a lot of those calls but having not matched anyone who's going through anything please give them my email my phone number they can always reach out to me um, because it is a horrible feeling and you can feel very alone but there's a ton of people that that never matched and we're still here. Um, and we'll hire you if, if nothing else, I don't know, we'll take, you. <laughs> we will call people. There's enough of us that you, you'll get something in the meantime while, while you work through it. And so don't give up, just reach out, reach out to any of us. And we're, we're happy to chat with you. Thank you. I think what I heard is that Amanda is going to develop a germ program at UTRGB school of medicine in the next maybe five years. So I think we should call her then and see what's up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
I love that plan. We're totally <laughs> going to call you. <laughs> I'm setting the timer now. Like, she's finished. Yeah. Let's bring her back. <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you so much, ladies, for joining us. Amanda, again, you're amazing. And thank you for taking the time to chat with us. And thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you both. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll catch you in our next episode.